You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Well, it's episode 320, and I'll give you guys a little story. This is the New Utah Podcast, so I'll give you guys a real quick little story about Julia uh, doing embarrassing stuff. So today <laughs> she comes over to my house, and she's like, I just ruined another pair of my work pants. So she's got a new job, newish job, and she has to wear all white. It sucks. Which for Julia. Which, yeah, Julia's fine, a, but the, the Julia doesn't wear white, white clothes. I, so I, I didn't own a single like, solid white thing if you think about job. If you think about like the messiest little boy that likes to play in the mud all that the time and get dirty, that's Julia. She's a dirty person. Well, <laughs> um, it's not just dirt, but like art supplies yeah, and like, just like, I'm just working with my hands constantly, yeah, my shop I'm working in, the dirt she, and painting. She and, gets messy, we'll say. Yeah. But she's like, I just want another pair of my pants. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she turns around and there's like fucking weird black grease shit on her pants and i'm like that looks like like grease or road tar she's like i know it keeps happening in my car i don't know why i'm like oh well, let's go investigate right now and she's like i just had to buy more pants because these are now ruined they're white pants and I'm i like, bought three pair of pants so today the first and thing I, I said two. was for the first thing i said was those aren't ruined you can get those stains out. Do you own bleach? And she's like, I don't own bleach. I'm like, good news. It's like a dollar for a <laughs> fucking huge thing of bleach. You like Go maybe it's two tree. with inflation. It might be yeah, dollar tree. You really could get it for a dollar twenty five. You yeah. buy the fancy stuff and pay two dollars. Yeah, right. well, it's probably I, I get really bougie with your bleach. I get Clorox with the like the no no splash thing, and it has like some scent to yeah, it. it. Probably so it doesn't smell quite like so bleachy. Three bucks a gallon, and we go through it like. Once One a gallon year. a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, but anyway, and I'm like, you could all, and then Bree's like, also, you could, should probably like put dish soap on them. And I'm like, do you have an old toothbrush? She goes, no. I go, let me give you a toothbrush from my dentist. <laughs> he to just use. pulls a toothbrush out of his car with, little, little, he has with the toothpaste. Kit. I'll use the toothpaste there's, and a little holder. There's and... still another one in my car. So <laughs> oh, let there, me know. he had two in there. Those are the emergency toothbrushes. They're um, actually the emergency. Now it's my pants <laughs> scrub brush. So. Outside of the scrubbing of pants and like teaching her like how to actually not just throw away a pair of pants that got dirty, but I was actually gonna throw away them. my second pair of pants. Yeah, today. I know you were going to. Um, so we go out and check the car and there's like nothing in the car that would be the cause of this. And I'm like rubbing under her seat and it's, it's dirty. It's all it's the not, back of my leg, but it's not. And so then Jeremy's looking and he looks at the runner and the underside of her runner has this like, it's not tar. Goop. It was not tar. Grease. It's grease. Something. It's some Greasy, sort of grease. Red, like all down the bottom. Roadkill. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's from you getting out of your car. And I, cause you can just picture her sliding out of the car and rubbing her leg yeah, against the back of Jeep. it. Yeah, it's a tall Jeep. And you, like, instead of getting out, you, like, slither out. Yeah, <laughs> I slither out. Well, and then that explains why the front of my right knee every time. Because you lean I lean in. against into yeah. it to put my keys and my phone into the other seat uh-huh. before I hop in. And it's higher. It's the yeah. same two spots all day. Yeah. So so now you know where it comes from, so you can fix that. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's in so my room, she, too. It's like she in can, my bed. It's now on, she can in the bathroom. Clean like, her car. It was her in on her seat. No. And clean her pants. So right now her pants, her, her pants, pants are, are bleaching in They're the bleaching in my kitchen So you did right not now. ruin everything. She's like, do you have a garbage bag I can put these in? I'm like, Stop. no, to take them home in. I know what you meant. I'm like, no, I'm going to show you how to clean these so that you I probably would have thrown them away when I got home, I know you would 
rough. And I'm pretty sure your, your mom taught you how to clean that is, things. I'm pretty sure. I was gonna say. I, I'm pretty sure your mom did not teach myself her to throw with shit bleach. Away. I don't trust myself to well, buy bleach and not destroy. Now everything. that you have white stuff, just always bleach in your white have stuff. Some bleach. I, okay. yeah. I have. I do have an honest question for you. Where did you learn the behavior that it's okay to throw away a basically brand new pair of pants that got dirty? Yeah, wasn't your dad? Them? It wasn't your mom either. I just want to know where that behavior uh, up. Because if there's stains on it, I can't wear it to work. Because that's a generational thing. I don't think it's just... Because like, if it were anything else, I would not care. But where it's solid white, it would be so obvious. Here's, here's the, the other the color I'm wearing. As you're, if, if your whites start to get dingy, you need to buy bluing and put bluing in them and bluing. it'll turn them white again. Bluing, not bluing. Blue ink. Blue Yeah, not not blue If you just go down the laundry, blue-ing. if you go down the laundry okay. aisle of any store that yeah, has detergents have, like, and stuff. We have, like, laundry detergent that's blue. Is that the no. same thing? Oh. It's an ad, you'll see a box, and it'll actually uh, say blue Blueing. Just to fix the hue of it kind Yeah, of it, it will fix the whites and take them from being dingy to being The more bright. I know. Yeah. All I know is I just wash everything on cold, and I wash it in the same thing as each other. So you're you're hearing not from your experienced wife. adults. No, I can't. <laughs> you're hearing from experienced adults that are not your parents, so you can follow our advice. <laughs> you can do it this time. Jeremy <laughs> has kept his mouth shut the whole time. <laughs> uh, I mean, my work bottom, so I guess. Yeah, no. I still don't want to waste them, but... But uh, where they were $10 leggings, I was like, is it worth the trouble? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's definitely worth the trouble, if not for your wallet, for the environment. For the environment, yeah. yeah. Just pour that bleach down the drain, though, when you're done. That's good for the environment. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, speaking of things that are good for the environment, water is good for the environment. Don't and, water your plants right now. Um, so, first off, I do need to water my garden more because it's fucking dying. I was gone for uh, a... I've been really, I've been really busy. I was gone for four days last week. I didn't do a good job watering. I came home and like half my gardens and I was like, fuck, because I just have a drip line that I've put in there. So I need to turn it back on. I also need to weed it because it's really bad. There's like a lot of grass in there now. That's the only Um, thing that grows in this heat. I'm just so lazy. But the good news is my sprinklers in the front are broken and I decided I'm not going to fix them this year because I've got too much other shit going on. I switched jobs, which I'll get to in a later, uh, at a later time. But, uh, uh, I haven't had to water the front lawn because we're in a drought and it's acceptable for my lawn to be completely fucking dead. My back lawn is on a severely restricted watering schedule because I'm trying to be a st- I water it I twice. I mean, you'd rather have living vegetables than living grass and yes. dead vegetables. Most well, of the reason we keep the back grass is uh, for the dog. Yeah, because the dog will, like, the dog running in completely dead grass that has no life will turn it into dirt. Yeah. I don't want that. That's hard to recover from. But I'm only watering, like, every three to four days out there and Enough not for very long. to make long. it very... Very slightly not brown. Well, yeah, and most of the yellow, not brown. Right yeah. after he waters, it's kind of like super bright. The, and, and, well, and, the, and the, so, so the grass no. is effectively dead. It is very it's dead in the hibernating front. Hibernating, right yeah, it's, now. it's hibernating in the front, and in the back, it's just hanging on. Which also means I haven't had to mow in over three weeks, and you wouldn't know it. Heck yeah! So it's like a, it's like a not double. Mowing advantage. was always the best. As a he kid. mostly has to mow now just to keep the little trees from growing. They're not even growing. That's Aren't how they? dry it is. And also, we're in the middle of this like fucking obscene heat wave right now. Yeah. Well, the UV is off the charts. Like, yeah, uh, I get the UV. It's so high that you're, they're saying 
don't they, actually be warning. outside. Yeah, don't they, don't be outside. I was outside issue. for like nine straight hours the other yeah. day. Hey, take also, a whole day off of work. To do not leave your kids or your dogs in a car unattended for any amount of time. Not even for two minutes. I don't minutes. care if so you're hot. going into the gas station for cigarettes. Do not fucking you do it. You should not even be taking your, your dogs for walks it, right now during the day. Unless it, you have shoes. Unless they have those stupid shoes. Correct. But half of the dogs aren't going to like to wear them. Um, that... It is that fucking hot. Like even just parking the car and going into the gas station and coming back out, that three minutes, the car is well over a hundred yeah. degrees inside. Well, St. George was like 114 the other <sighs> day, 117. Let's not even talk about St. George heat. Well, that's that a lot. We're going to though. Yeah, we were in St. George. Speaking of, how would have, had that feel? Nice and nice and well. The nice pool was cozy. great. The pool was fantastic. So we went to St. George to visit with Breeze, two uh, IUI half sisters, the the non family ones. I saw the video of you guys doing karaoke. You see that? Oh my god! Her, <laughs> the youngest of the three of them, Sonny. She's like the dang energized, energized energizer bunny. They're singing I'm a Barbie girl and you see and Bree just pans over to Chris in the background every now and then. Come, Come on, Barbie. Barbie let's go party. <laughs> just like dead, just like no expression. No, just, he's just laying on the couch flipping through his vibing. Let me tell you. Just, and, sh- and then the sister's just like so into it and then he's just like She's uh-huh. awesome. I have learned how much I hate karaoke. Not because I don't like singing along with songs or singing two songs. He doesn't like the microphone. The microphone's terrible because it ruins the... it Because ruin, like... We were doing it and there were two microphones and occasionally someone else would start singing the song and then I would just be done because it's like all I can hear is them and it ruins it for and me. And it sounds like you're in a tin can with those with most of those karaoke No, those mics. were good. She no, had really, really good, good quality she, karaoke yeah. mics and I'm pretty sure she fucking carries that thing with her all the time. <laughs> she definitely loves karaoke songs. Um, yeah. We did some it's TikTok videos. Yeah. Uh, we got to meet the, the wives and the husbands. We I made dinner one night. Um, and breakfast both throwing. And I will give you my external view really quickly and then I'll let Bree talk about it. From the outside, as a husband, these three women who do not know each other. I'd met Sonny twice. And Talise. And Talise once. Once for lunch, right? Yes. You would not have known that they weren't sisters their whole fucking life. They all three seem to get along extremely well. Then they, you're obviously all sisters. They talked a ton <laughs> and they had mannerisms that were very I similar. keep asking him which ones, but he can't tell me. No, I've told you. There's certain like the, so, some of the, the mannerisms when it comes to like how you guys deal with uncomfortable situations. I see similarities amongst all three of you. Some of the just the lots of little things like you, you guys. Okay. When you were all... um like talking and you had different ideas, you each just got louder <laughs> and talked on top of each other. You all like, cause I'm used the to, same voice. I love Brie. Brie starts talking when she gets animated in a conversation, her volume level goes up. So did the other two sisters. So, and it was like a shouting match. They were all excited. None of them were not wanting to hear the other one. These two, Julia and, and Brie both did that when they're excited about a guest, they both like get louder and louder. Yeah, it's maybe out it's of excitement. A, maybe it's, it's just a girl thing, babe. And it's you just not just a girl thing, but <laughs> it is like you could tell. Like you, like it got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm. They're yelling at each other, but they're happy yelling at each other. <laughs> they're happy yelling. Weird. What do I do? They're like, well, I think we should go at two, but I think one thirty is okay. How about three? It's like, <laughs> like that wasn't that conversation no, at all. I'm, no, I'm just. That's, She's they not were, to share your conversation. They were giving. They were giving me shit about wanting to change the time, and I just kept saying, I don't care what time we go. I just need to know because I need to wash my hair. 
<laughs> it was, but so anyway, just from the outside perspective, and I'll let Bree talk now, but they, you would not have known they didn't know each other their whole lives. Like they, they, that's sweet. They seem to click to me from an outside perspective, which is great. Gosh, I don't even know what to say. It was just, it, it's just, it's so strange to, to, it feels different than friends, right? Like, even though I know them less than the friends that I'm around. So like the last couple of times that I've actually been in our friend group, I've had like serious, like a major probably needed to take a Xanax panic attacks. And I didn't have that one time the whole time we were in St. George. I took my Xanax with me and I didn't, I didn't need it. So, I mean, that, I, I don't know if anybody has anxiety, they'll kind of know how, how serious that is. Cause it, it's a big thing, but like, just, <sighs> I don't know. Cause it, it's not like I'm never around people I'm related to, right? Like I'm related to my mom and I'm related to my cousins or whatever. And I'm related obviously to my children, but this was yeah, different. but these are people your age. Yeah. Th- and they're exactly very... also went with what went through what you went through. Well, they actually had way way worse their stories are quite a bit different yeah like the one the one sister her she found out because her mom just yelled it at her in a fit of anger and she's actually she actually during a divorce yeah she actually lost both our biological father and the father that raised her within a month of each other um and she's estranged from her mom and then the other sister she didn't know about it until like just a few months her ago. Her mom died when she was And three. her mom died when she was three. So she just came to the realization that both of her biological parents are gone. Um, so she, she's, she's, yeah. So she's had, she had stepsisters. The one sister and I were always just only children. She had stepsisters, but she was an only child for maybe like the first five years of her life. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting how similar we are and, and how extremely different we are too. But Talise is probably the first one, the first person that's ever just like come out and had the exact same feeling with me is she's like, yeah, I don't ever want to have grandkids. And I was like, yeah, me, me either. Like I just, like I barely made it through a parenthood. Like I just don't think I could. I don't think I could do it again with grandkids or whatever, but we had lots of long talks and lots of just fun and lots of time in the pool. And the husbands were kind of left to their own devices for a while. And that was fine too. But some of the funniest things are um, like, we talk about how much Chris, Chris cooks and stuff all the time. Um, and one of the sisters, she still has little kids. So one of the sisters, all of her kids are gone like ours are. But the other one, she has like a six-year-old to a 12-year-old and, and then one in between somewhere. So she has three kids. So she's still like very much in the middle of raising her children. She played Roblox with her kid on the phone yeah. for like an hour uh-huh. one of the days. Because she called and she wanted her mom to play with her. And she and so she did. Um, But she she kept saying that she wanted to take Chris home with her because she would wake up and breakfast would be ready and she would be hungry for dinner and dinner would be ready. And the kitchen was always cleaned. And at one point, one of the sisters even just said, Brie, what do you even do? (laughs) Because they didn't see the parts that I did, which is yes, Chris cleans as he goes, but it's kind of a superficial wipe down. Right. And so every night when we were done, like the guys would always go to bed early and then the, the girls would oh, go yeah, to their By rest- the way, we're all early 
I mean, a man can be a homemaker too. All like, three no of rules. them, late night people. Yeah. So they they all went to their respective rooms, and then I'd get out the rag and I'd pull off the knobs on the stove and wipe down the stove and make sure the whole counter was cleaned off. And I'd pick up the you know if there were bags of chips that people have been munching on, make sure that they were closed and put away in the pantry and center you know put everything all back together. So when you came out, like the kitchen was totally clean. And so they were kind of all just assuming that. Chris had done that. <laughs> yeah, I don't do all those things. But like, I, and I tidy. Like, there's a little desk off the side of the kitchen, and I just make sure that that was all cleaned up. And like, we'd lay out our towels outside on the chairs to dry. That's and one I'd thing. Go well, out and fold them all up and make sure that they were, you know, ready for the next day. And when we travel with the the groups, the friend group, like most of the ladies in our group are that way. So everything's very clean. Typically, when we when we even when we first get there, it gets cleaned. Yes. Well, yeah. That one, the first time we went to Bear Lake, Fucking you guys hair cleaned it probably better than it's ever been cleaned yeah. ever. Well, Heather Heather concentrated on the kitchen, and then I just went around and wiped down everything else that I could. I because was just it was given nasty. doorknobs and light switches and like railings and things. <laughs> so my siblings and I and. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't super. It was an interesting. You don't know weekend. where it's been. And we do have uh, two uh, quick reviews from St. George because yeah. I think we don't talk enough about St. George and the shitty golf courses, but we do have a couple reviews. Uh, I think so. We went to Tuacon. Heck yeah! Uh, to see a play, we saw the Buddy Holly story. Did you melt or was it? Not no, so bad? we were inside. Was there a we bat were... at the end? So, no. Every time I've been, there's been a, a bat that harasses people, so, and then there's always a lady that screams. That's we're because so we weren't outside. We, yeah, we uh, were inside. Well, which, that's not thank cool. God, we were all prepared to go outside. Yeah, was but we ended up being hot. on the inside theater for for the Buddy Holly show. There were two other shows, and they they were still doing them outside. But the Buddy Holly show got the indoor theater. Nice. Yeah, that was really nice. Probably because that's where all the really old people were going. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. They don't need heat stroke. I didn't realize. The, the I don't know. Is he a brother-in-law? What is he? I guess so. I, I don't, don't know. know who the fuck so one of the about. one of the husbands was sitting next to me, and he was making all sorts of comments about how old the crowd was. It was, it was both cracking me up and making me uncomfortable who, at the same time. Yeah, oh. but he's like a, he's a councilman in California. And so he's he's very good at being diplomatic, and it's like old people are super drawn to him. And then the other brother-in-law, some kid he talked to, just like came down our row. They and made started, a trade for popcorn for Reese's yeah, Pieces. Yeah, and I'm just like, I clearly still have my resting bitch face on because, yeah, nobody. <laughs> it was great, though. I didn't realize, um, like, I know who Buddy Holly is. I know about his music and how influential his music was. He only was around for 18 months in the music world. Yeah, and he died in the plane crash. Yeah. But 18, he made that impact in 18, 18 months. 18 months. It's kind of like the Beatles. They were, they were only a band for less than seven years. That is not true, sir. The Beatles were a band for a very long time before they made it big. Yeah. They, they played in the shitty club. I can't remember where for years. They were a band for but, a very long yeah, time. Yeah, they were, they, they were, were really big. big. Influential. But seven years. But literally, Buddy Holly went months. from playing on a local radio station. Playing country to being, music to being to a being rock so star. big that he was a, a essentially a rock star, and crossing barriers like playing like, in yes. the Apollo. Like he, I think that they were the first white they were band the to, first play white group to play Apollo. in the Apollo Theater in in, in, really in the cool. Bronx, um, in Harlem because they they sounded black to the rest of the world like according to the way hmm. music was played just then. Stand, just their style. Just, yeah. that, you got to. I mean, that's just. It's like think about if Eminem. Was rapping when there was no TV because this is everybody would have just assumed he there's was not TV, 
Buddy Holly's playing music. This is the Elvis Presley days, right? We're rock and roll, still the devil music, and it's not right. And early rock and roll has roots in the black community. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's why everyone thought he was black and that the crickets were black because that was the kind of music that the, the black people made and listened well, to. And the then time. another barrier he broke down is, and this was so fast, like it's, it's kind of crazy. Interracial marriage. But he was, yeah, he married a Puerto Rican woman mm-hmm. and you know, everybody, he, he married her within like they met each other and five hours later he proposed to her and then, and they were together. Uh, they were ready to have a baby and she actually miscarried the baby when she heard the news. She couldn't take care of herself for anymore. She miscarried, but, but uh, really good play. Uh, well done. Very cool. um, the, the, I, so I've seen a fair number of like smaller performance type stuff like this. Every one of them played instruments. Like it was akin to like a violins and pianos and guitars. And then what was that? Drums, guitars. What was that one box uh, thing that they she played, played it once? It, I don't know. But it was kind of cool. And they, like the one guy had like the thing that you know the <laughs> trumpets, what? saxophones, stand-up bass. It's like I don't know what the instrument's called, but you like turn it and it makes us sound like. But, <laughs> but it, 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 it's a, a a play about the history of Buddy Holly and the life of Buddy Holly and. The music that is the driving force behind the whole thing, and it is it is really just a giant montage of Buddy Holly songs, almost like a concert performance. There were some so. other songs in there, and it was really interesting. And but the the performers did an amazing job, I think, to be constantly moving and singing and playing a guitar. And the cast, like there were a bunch of people that played multiple roles, um, and they did a really good job of b- being those like distinctive. That different the, roles on the cruise that british invasion one that we watched that went through music throughout history kind of yeah sort of where they're playing sorta. a lot of songs yeah and, a lot of songs but these guys were actually playing the instruments they were playing the the electric guitar the drums the stand-up bass like it wasn't just coming across yeah, the, the guy that was speakers. playing the stand-up bass was amazing like he was doing tricks on it yeah, and were, standing on it they were plugging yeah. in their guitars when they got on stage yep. to to do stuff and it was really good Great performance. So I would, I would definitely recommend seeing that yep. one. Um, and then we also ate at the Cliff Restaurant, which Did is. Did you a, get the watermelon salad? No. It's so good. The restaurant's not great. Don't waste your time. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It's fine. It's a fine dining restaurant. You can't see my air quotes. It's bougie because it has a view. Um, it's got a that's really we great went. view and that's why we want The watermelon salad's great. Um, the sister's watermelon and it's hot. <laughs> the sister wanted to, one of the sisters wanted to, eat somewhere where she could see the view. So. But the food was mediocre. It was certainly not worth the price. But it was um, kind of funny because as I walked in, uh, one of the greeters slash like hostess, hostess people, uh, I looked at her and I was like, nah. And then she looked at me and she was like, oh, and it was, it's Sean's best Both friend that they went to school. Both of them screamed and ran to each other. That's and in the middle of the, yeah. Three sisters was, were like, what the fuck is she going to school down there? She, lives, uh, she lives down there. She her parents, I think her Santa parents Clara. live in Santa Clara. And I think she's so anyway, with them. So like, I, I would say the environment's really nice. Like yes. it's a nice it's restaurant. It's a great atmosphere. Um, Our waitress was hilarious. You're averaging 40 bucks a plate probably um, for the main entree. And it's not worth it. It's not. I mean, it wasn't bad food. It wasn't it bad, wasn't, but it wasn't. It wasn't 40 I think we went when it was lunchtime, so it wasn't quite as, yeah. quite as expensive. They, they for were us, definitely but... trying too hard, I think. <laughs> um, 
that it's some just of the dishes are a little weird. American bistro style food, and it's not nothing to write home about. The mashed potatoes were meh. The you know they were Yukon Gold mashed potatoes. I had but um, a lot of flavor. I had fingerling potatoes, and they were really good. When I went, I had like it was like a tor like a pear tortellini or something. It was oh, a pear, yeah, like a, was, a pear was, pasta. Yeah, something it like that. Sounded good. Um, it was okay. But anyway, um, I would not recommend wasting your money. There's other great places. There's a great taco place we went to. I don't know what the fuck it's called. It's not a Mexican restaurant. It is a taco place. So as long as you go there expecting street tacos in street taco <laughs> fashion, which is plain corn tortillas with some kind of meat, and then you put salsa bar crap on them, you'll be happy. They were very good. Um, <laughs> but, the, but their guacamole was not so good. It was just avocado paste. Yeah. Um, I actually the, took some of my sister's salsa. salsa and put it in the guacamole. And then squirted some lime in it, and yeah. it tasted like And then I was guacamole. like, oh, this is good. Uh, yeah. Um, we also went to an axe throwing place there that was kind of cool. It was a smash it. Is that what they called it? Mm, smash Labs. Smash Labs and axe throwing, I think yeah. is what it was officially. Uh, they're trying to franchise. Um, it was much cleaner than the smash it that's here. Um, but they need we to didn't re- smash it. We just, but they, he was, he tried to tell us that throwing at boards that were really hashed up was better. Those boards needed replacing bad. But they needed to they be were replaced. Really, really wrecked. But they also have not just axes. Yeah. They had knives throwing and throwing stars, stars and, and batarangs and, and uh, playing cards that you could chuck at the nice. thing, like metal playing cards. Uh-huh. So that All was actually a lot of fun. you wanted to play with, but couldn't. Yeah. So that was actually a really cool part about that. And, and uh, cheap, relatively cheap too, actually. Yeah. It wasn't too expensive. It was like, what, 15 bucks or 16 bucks for an hour huh? per person? That's not bad at all. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I think, I think. It was 40, so I think it was maybe 20 bucks. Oh, okay. For the hour, that's right. For the hour, but... but 15 might have been for a half hour. Maybe. So I don't remember. Still not bad. No, it wasn't bad at all. And we had the place to ourselves, and so he was like, as long as nobody else comes in, like you can Good use everyone. all the lanes, and so we did. And he was getting married, and they're doing a... Uh, he's going to dress as Deadpool, and his wife-to-be is, is dressing as a unicorn. The unicorn. To, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And all of the, the lines going to dress as various hero characters that they like in yeah. the Marvel universe. So. Yeah, so. Um, I got a new job. I'm just going through like the fucking hits here, lightning round. I got a new job. Maybe I'll talk about it at some point. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, I'm extremely happy. Uh, Good. I was telling Bree last night, like we're getting up early. We were up really late last night. I'm like, I'm not really tired. I'm energized. Like I'm, and I was like, Oh, that explains why I'm still tired. And, uh, uh, like when you came over today, Jeremy, I think you caught a glimpse of my yeah, energized. That's awesome for the that's, for the job. So. That's it's nice when you're excited about your job. Yeah, because that is seventy five percent of your day, seventy five percent of your life. If you're miserable, it's not good. Dude, you need to work on your work life balance, buddy. Seventy five percent is way too. Dad much. works like twelve hours a day, seven days. Yeah, it should so. be about half of your waking. It's definitely not half. It's way more than that. Yeah, but. I know it is. That's yeah. why I'm saying you should work on your work life balance. Yeah, bucko. I'm gonna start doing thirteen hour work days once the store uh, opens. Um, yeah, well, you know, you were young. Your dad is not young so much That's anymore. True. <laughs> not so much. It's um, not like I have kids and a family or anything. So. And let's talk about fires. Yeah, because so only that you can just... prevent forest fires. Well, it's it's appropriate because we did just talk about drought and the the Millard County fire, which was just outside of Fillmore, like really like right next to Fillmore. Did you get see it? Could you see it from the freeway? Oh, oh hell yeah! yeah. Like when we were driving back up on Sunday, so. Mm-hmm. 
driving down, Talisa's husband said that he saw it because he came down Friday night uh, and he saw it on Friday. When we drove back Sunday, it was still burning away. Um, thankfully, that one, they they have arrested four people and charged them. Um, yeah, they didn't. I couldn't. I didn't see anywhere it said what it was, be it fireworks or whatever. But uh, I did. So I read oh. the story. So they were at a campground, uh, which is where this fire they believe was started from a campground. Um, they had set a fire. They did not put out the fire properly, um, and they left. And that fire then can. Then there was nobody there to and notice that it started. I don't know fire. what it's at now. I know it was over 10,000 acres. I don't know what percentage of containment it's at, but they were, when I read last read Sunday after they had talked about having caught these people, um, they were trying to cut lines to protect buildings and structures because it is, you guys have to understand, it is really close. You can see it from everywhere in Fillmore. It is right up next to the town. Uh, and that town spread out, obviously. Yeah. So, so 10,141 acres lost is what I got. And that, but I don't know if that report was like from yesterday. I did look all this up today. So it might have been yesterday's report. Some of the other big ones, you've got the, uh, uh, Jacob City Fire and Soldier Creek, um, Soldier Canyon or Soldier Canyon. That's, uh, 3,700 acres as of right now. And it's like 2% contained. You've got the Dry Creek Fire uh, um, that's um, 1,800 acres out of Millard County. Yep. Um, And and then there are 25 right now that are burning. Obviously, everyone that was in the valley this weekend saw the Tooele County Fire. Those are the three biggest that are on the list. But it's so hot that on Saturday I was driving on the freeway and literally saw a new fire start. It's like just on the side of the freeway. Well, we I, I was the one who called it in the nine one one. When we were driving down on Thursday, and we were driving past where in in Millard County, which was you know Fillmore's right there, that Millard County fires in that area, um, uh, and I was commenting to Brian Talese who drove down with us. This whole fucking valley that we're in right now is a giant tinderbox. You, as far as you could see, complete yellow, yellow. just yellow everywhere, which is dry, ready to light on fire. And all I could think was, all it takes is a spark from a loose snow chain on the bottom of a fucking truck, and this whole area will just go up. Yeah, they they are really particular this time of year about trucks and making sure that their chains are tied. And up if properly. you are if you are hauling a boat or a trailer or anything, and you have a chain, don't have anything drag. Have that shit secured properly. Very it's important short. to have. Don't be them, flicking but... your cigarette butts out your freaking window either, people. Like just. Be extra vigilant when you go camping. If you are not allowed to light a fire, don't. Well, I know if that you sucks. do, make sure it's put out. Completely put the, out. If you look at the red burn map at the moment, like 90% of Utah is red. We are in the worst drought in recorded history. Right I feel now like that happens state. every year. Well, it's because it's, it's... worse and worse and worse. That's exactly it. It's getting worse and worse and worse. So... 25 fires happening right now in the state right of Utah. Now. Almost all of them, they believe, are human-caused. started on, like, the same day, too. Yeah, they're all human-caused. You know why? Because um, people are idiots, and it was so 4th of July. It, well, it's not just that. fireworks it's and out camping. Camping, and, and this is the time of year people do that, and just be responsible. Be careful. These people did not think the fire was completely out when they left. That's why they are charging them. If they have, if they would have thought the fire was completely out, but they basically have evidence that the, they had people that had overheard them saying, we think maybe our campfire was the cause of that fire because we didn't get it out all the way. 
you are liable for that. You will go to jail. These people are in jail right now awaiting arraignment on very serious charges. Well, the guy, what was it, four years ago? The stupid Brian Head guy that yeah. went to prison? Yeah. Yeah. But his was even worse because he was burning weeds and they fucking told him not to and then he kept doing it and he deserves to fucking be in prison for that. I'm sorry. You got asked to stop. They tried to do it nicely. You didn't and you lit a whole fucking side of a mountain on fire. Like, you're a dipshit. Sorry. You deserve prison time. Don't do any gender reveals with smoke cannons. <sighs> Just don't do Just, gender yeah. reveals. It's fucking stupid, Just guys. tell people, I'm having a girl. I'm having a boy. It's wow. got a penis. It's got a vagina. You, you don't know, know what it's I got... said? I'm having a baby. Because <laughs> I didn't find out because it's not like I can you know, change anything. I don't understand right. with... With the way identity of people is now, why you have a gender reveal party anyway? It's either got a penis or a vagina. You don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl when it comes Truth. out. You got to wait until that kid gets older and tells you. So Pretty much. Don't have a gender reveal party. Just be like, it's got a dick. Because it's something that they can get views for. It's got a little wiener or it's got a little <laughs> hole. Wow. Those are the... Right. Uh, Thanks honestly, it's got a little wiener. It doesn't have anything. There's not a like, oh, it's a girl. Because it's a girl because they couldn't find the little wiener. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> when they do the ultrasound and they know the gender, it's because they either saw a dick or they didn't see a dick. Pretty so, much. That's it. Let's do our Oracle card. I don't care if you guys have anything, by the way. I just railroaded this whole nope, show right. so far. <sighs> well, we d we talked about Julia. Yeah, it's true. We've really talked about all these things. Don't believe every shitty thought you have. Thoughts can be sneaky, lying bastards. God, that's fucking true. When you thought your seat was ruining your pants, that's right? You the whole time, <laughs> sliding down. It was her. It was, it was so her car. I'm was, so stressed out. It was. It was because she slithers out of her car, and she, instead of getting it's out a like tall a normal car, car, it's a jeep. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, but normal people would like put their foot on the runner, not slide down the runner. Yes. My runners are so dirty yeah, no. because I do like, that. Like we could actually I like, put one put, foot on and then I slide the other foot off. I actually think we could probably put like one of those plastic play school slides there for you and that would be akin to how <laughs> wow. I Because I watched you get out of your car and I know exactly why your leg like was covered in that stuff on the yeah, back Yeah, I literally just slide you out of the car. You slither out and you're like, I'm a snake. I'm a slippery, slippery little snake. Well, with us this week is uh, Rachel Quist, uh, the biblical spelling of Rachel, apparently. <laughs> Old <laughs> Testament. That's how I was told. I, I was thinking like Rachel and Ross and Phoebe from Friends. No, my brother's name is Jacob. Oh, so a very biblical. <laughs> very biblical. Not even like not even like Mormon biblical, where it's like Nephi and Manti and. No, they're all I mean. Matthew. What? Everyone here is just Matthew. That's not true. It's not true. There's a lot of Mackenzies. <laughs> various spellings with a silent Q. So, Rachel, where are you from? Are you from here in Utah? I'm from Utah. Grew up here, born and raised? Born and raised. I grew up after the age of eight in Bountiful, which I hated. <laughs> up and coming, nice popular spot for the old people these days. Oh, uh. It was terrible. <laughs> My AP biology teacher told us that we could read the chapter on evolution, but he certainly wasn't going to test about it. Oh, no. Hey, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I gotta love Utah. Progressive. Utah's yes. not the only place like that, folks, no, by the way. No, it is not. not at all the only place like that, but uh, certainly happens here. Um, okay, so you've listened to our show, so you know what our first real question is, right? You need to refine this question. I want you to do it right what, this time. What do you mean do I need to refine it? 
I just want to know when she was born. Yeah, but except for you. Then what you, is your birthday? What's your birth date? Uh, you don't have to give like the year. It's like your the date of your birth. I'm That's not right. asking how old you are. Yeah. What month no. and day were you born? Yeah. I'll just say October. October. Beginning or end of October. See, that's what the next question is. Because it's, it's important. No, because that's personal identification. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, tr- they're just trying to figure out. I'm just out. trying to figure out if it was a holiday, uh, that was involved or just like For a random conception. encounter. January. Yeah. Not January. Yeah, no. For October? For October? At the very, January. Yeah. At the very beginning, maybe. Depends on when. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been a Valentine's baby. I'm just trying to get you to think about when your parents had uh, fun. Did they go to like Woodstock or something? And I don't know. (laughs) With the names Rachel and Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Your name's not Sunshine or or, uh, Peace Lily or... Peace Lily. That's a good one. (laughs) Well, I've told... I think I've told the story about uh, Precious Rainwater Sweet Pea. The former like niece of mine. I don't think you have. <laughs> yeah, that's her name. Precious I think I would Water remember that. Yeah, I won't say her Kitchen. last name. Well, oh, sorry. I thanks. Did. Well, there's the whole name. Yep. <laughs> thanks, Bree. Just bust her it's out. It's just funny. I'm not editing it. She's never going to hear this. She's <laughs> fine. I'm sure. Parents hippies to say no, the least. Not at all. They just had an argument about what she was going to uh, be named. Yeah, I'll tell you off the air. It's it's a ridiculous story. <laughs> um, that's. But it is a real story. So, no, clearly not. Your parents were upstanding um, of of uh, of Judeo Christian faith. <laughs> we <will> they <laughs> were. <laughs> not so, anymore. So, just one sibling. One sibling. So, just Jacob and Rachel. Right. So, you grew up in Bountiful. Is that where you went to high school? Yes. To graduate from Bountiful High. I did. Bountiful High. That's where my ex husband went. What did you do after high school? Yep. Um. Well, in seventh grade. I knew exactly what I was going to do for a living, which was archaeology. And everybody in junior high and high school tried to persuade me otherwise. Had they not seen Indiana Jones? Archaeologists are I awesome. wanted to be a paleontologist <laughs> at that age. I thought it would be so cool. Yeah, I don't know if you've listened to any of our episodes about archaeologists. No. <laughs> Indiana Jones. But we try and like discount well, we, we the We do fact talk about how Indiana Jones most, is the worst archaeologist yeah, ever. Yeah, he's just a big thief. Every, every temple he touches disintegrates and falls apart. He just he leaves a it. wake of destruction behind him. He takes priceless artifacts. Yeah. Like, he's a really not like, a good Like, it's a cool show, but he's really not a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So what, 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 what got you interested in archaeology? I mean, like, at seventh grade, what Did you go thinking? to Dinosaur Park and, like, dig up some... No, that's Dinosaurs, no. <laughs> well, I know that's paleontology, but sometimes people are like, oh, you start digging up stuff and you're like, oh, yeah, archaeology. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my dad, my brother, and I would always uh, go down to southern Utah for road trips, and we'd always go and see some of the uh, Native American ruins down there, and I just thought that was really super interesting to think about people who had been here before so that's uh that's what i wanted to do nice Nice. that's cool and i always thought well there's people who get paid to do that right in the park service or university whatever it happened to be so there were jobs and i was gonna do it so did you go off to college and study archaeology i did i went to the university of utah nice and uh Graduated there and really got into a lot of their activities, uh, volunteer, intern, employee. So did you do any of their 
that are on-site archaeological digs or research or anything like that? I was, yes, I was a teaching assistant for two of their field schools, and then I did a lot of volunteer work with them as well. Where did you get to go? We were in uh, Utah, California, mostly. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. So it's all very local within the Great Basin. That's That's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. I like that. So you get done with the university. Did you start working for the university at that point, or did you go find a job with the Park Service and... Well, no, I I did work for the university for a couple of years. Um, there was all of the artifacts that needed processing after our field. Oh, uh, cool! Field tours. What, what kind of stuff did you guys find? Uh, we did um, mitigation work for state and institutional trust lands administration. So every time a state or federal agency uh, develops or sells or um, does something to the landscape. Uh, federal and state law require on non-private land that archaeological survey work be done. And then if it's going to be damaged, then it needs to have a mitigation aspect, which is usually an excavation for archaeology in order to record the information that's going to be lost. That's cool. So construction workers dig in and find something, (laughs) that's no good. Construction workers find a lot of stuff, generally human remains. Yes, they oh, do. That's so sad. There was a like a highway reconstruction project they were doing in California not very long ago, and they discovered a like a really really old site that somehow had magically been undiscovered, like some burial. Like, yeah, like huh, interesting. Dated way way back, and I don't I don't remember the details because it's been like two years since I read the article. But uh, it's interesting stuff. So when they find that. Kind would of you thing. go through every so like everything like buildings, land, anything involved with the project, or were you specifically like the land? Well, what do you mean by, oh, uh, so in, that, like, in that case, it's just the land because the buildings had not been built. Okay, so they're going to build it. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. So now what if they were to, to decommission a building and tear it down with that? If there is a federal or a state tie-in, then yes, that building will need to be evaluated. If that building is deemed significant for its history, then it will need to be mitigated. Cool. An example of that is the... The IOO, Independent Order of Odd Fellows Hall in Salt Lake City that was moved from one parcel and across the street to where it is now in mitigation for the courthouse, the federal courthouse parking lot. Oh, for the new one? They built the new one? Well, yeah, I say the, new, the board cube. But yes, the board cube. That's funny. I've never thought of it that way, but it is. Yeah, you didn't? That's no. what we, we've we always called board it that. So, yeah. w- so for like an archaeological survey, you're not going in and like digging everything up. You're really looking at the historical significance of the particular piece of land or whatever it is, right? And trying to dig up whether or not there was something there. It depends on the situation. Usually, if you get to the point of mitigation... You already have a good idea of what's there because you've already done some preliminary studies to determine if there's a, an archaeological component, a historic component, a building component, if there are tribal resources that are um, going to be impacted, things like that. So let's let's just say there is. So the government wants to build something somewhere. They send you or someone like you out there and you do f- know their stuff or you find stuff. What's kind of the next step? What do you do from there? Well, once you find things, then you need to document them, and then that documentation is presented to the federal or state agency involved, 
who then talks to a regulatory agency known as State History, the Utah Division of State History. Um, it's specifically the office, the SHPO office is what it's called, State Historical Preservation Officer. And then, and, and also to tribes that are um, affiliated with the geographic area. And so then there's kind of a collaborative effort to determine if they agree on whether the area is significant or not. Okay. So you've been uh, an archaeologist. I was going to ask you, like, how did you decide to get into writing history of Utah? But I'm pretty sure I already know the answer now. <laughs> so at any point in your in your career, have you gotten tired of archaeology and, and like, learning about the history of stuff? Clearly not. <laughs> well, I'm just curious because you, you were like, from seven years old, I've always known that I wanted to do this. And you're still doing it. And did you ever at a point go, man, I wish I was just a bartender? <laughs> no. <laughs> I hate people. <laughs> Me too. Well, archaeology is a really good non-people oriented profession. It is. I mean, in a way, it's kind of all about people, but you don't have to talk to those people. Exactly. So, and we were, we were Jeremy, who, who recommended Rachel to us originally? We follow Remember? her. It was the Utah, I know we follow her, but it was the, was it the Utah oh, dem- demolition yeah. people? Yeah, Wendy. Wendy. Demolish Utah. Demolish Utah. Demolish Utah. That's it. So yeah. Wendy, well, we had Wendy on quite a while a ago. ago. I can't remember the episode because it was a while ago. Um, but after the fact, she had told us about you. And I think that's probably when we started following you on the social media. Yeah, medias. that would make sense. But she had said that you'd be a, a really good one to talk to about this kind of stuff. So so it kind of came through Wendy quite a while ago. So far, she's not wrong. Um, like this kind of stuff really gets me going. I'm a big yeah, fan Jeremy of this sort of too. stuff. So, um, so anyway, that's kind of that's kind of where it came from. And then, so we started following her her back when we talked to Wendy a few years ago. And so we've followed you on the social media, probably me more so than anybody, because I'm into arch- architecture is what I do, and so I'm very much so into uh, a lot of the posts you and Wendy make about the buildings and the structures and and the historically significant places, and so I get sucked into that stuff and. I spend hours looking at all of your stuff, and I'm just fascinated by but, it. By the way, anyone that's interested, Wendy's episode was episode 252. 252, oh. and we're 320. So it's been a while. So it's been a little while. A couple years. <laughs> almost almost exactly two years. <laughs> so so let's follow the timeline a little further, and then I've got tons of questions. Uh, okay, so you're doing it through the college. You're working through the college. Where kind of do you, you go from there? Because eventually for all of this, college ends, and then you have to like decide what you're going to do for real. Well, she did. <laughs> she did. <laughs> we to... Well, I, I decided I did not care for the academic politics. Right. And it's there's just a lot of backstabbing to get what little money there is. I have heard that. I've got uh, my niece right now, Julia Ashlyn. She's doing an archaeological dig where in I have no idea Idaho or something like that. Something like that through the university. She, she, you're lucky she remembers what her cousin's name is. That's what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but she's doing a very similar thing with the University of Utah, Utah right now. But that's kind of her dad. I've talked to him a little bit. And that's kind of what he says. She's like he's like there's a lot of politics. So, so I'm curious. You know, you're doing all the you're doing all the the archaeology stuff in in whatever capacity. When did you decide to start a blog? Well, I've been I've been researching and writing about Utah or Salt Lake's history for maybe 15 years now. 
Uh, but it's been on different platforms. And um, as it evolves, I, I, I saw I've seen your blog and it's funny because it takes me back to when those blogs were super popular, the format and everything. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I totally recognize that that platform. The, the newer generation right now would probably look at that and be like, what's that? Yeah, do you have oh, a TikTok probably. now? Because if you don't, you're... Oh, my goodness, yes. My 16-year-old helped me set it up. <laughs> I think I have one post. Hey, that's better than 99% I had of one people. post until this last weekend, and then I have like <laughs> four posts. But you do have an Instagram, which is important. Yes. Um, Jeremy got one finally, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> so you just been you've been writing about the history for... Almost as long as the internet's really been around in any sort of sense. <laughs> I don't know. I first got on the internet in the 90s. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, blogs in 90s, weren't... In the 90s, because I remember uh, the internet in the 90s was basically like looking at pamphlets and flyers, basically. Yeah, there, the web websites were very one-dimensional. It was one page. Respect. It was like getting a flyer in the newspaper. A newspaper, younger kids, look that up. Uh, <laughs> but it was like getting a flyer in the newspapers. I mean, there was a little bit of information... But it wasn't anything like... Yeah, blogs, so forums were really big in the late 90s and into the early 2000s. And then blogs came around... I think like MySpace m- kind of pushed that. Maybe a little bit. And then you, had, where, you had like LiveJournal and stuff in the early 2000s. Because um, people with MySpace, people actually had their own domain, their own piece of the net. And they could start posting things and doing things. And then, I, in my opinion, that's kind of where blogging evolved from it or at least it all was kind of happening about the same time i could be yeah wrong. but you didn't have i don't think you had really serious blogs where people were like actively going out and checking them out until like mid 2000s like 2004 2005 time frame where, well and that's when like food blogs got big yeah like where, food you, where you started to see someone actually putting out a blog that other people read not just like a, <laughs> like a, not just a <laughs> diary that you posted but online. i mean even still then you you had so that was I do remember, like, there was a period of time where, like, CNN heavily used bloggers for, like, news around the world. Yeah. Well, so Holly, my sister Holly, she's been on the show a few times. Uh, she was actually a paid blogger for three or four years and was actually making pretty good money at it. And then the whole format for blogging kind of shifted and changed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she was hired as a blogger for yeah, a while. Yeah, now, now you're just uh, you're a copywriter is what they call that. <laughs> you still write blogs for professional organizations that no one reads. <laughs> yeah, well, I only I started my website, which is slchistory.org, because Instagram is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it allows people to search for past postings, which I was always getting a lot of questions. I, you know, didn't you talk, uh, talk about this at one point or, um, it, it also gets uh, searchable from just Google searches and such. Right. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I really like it. And it is like, it is the very traditional, like, blog format where you can look just page through posts. I love it. Cause the, I, yeah, it's like great. I'm used to that style and I do like the searchable. That's what's nice. Yeah, is I like searchable. You can pick a topic, you can pick a, a time frame, and it can bring. Or if you're it, it reading is, and it triggers something else, and you wonder, oh, did she talk about this? You then, can, and it's timely. She had some stuff on the La France apartments or the La France building, I guess, before it was demolished. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I do try and keep. If we're if we're losing history, my goal is just to educate people about what it's about and what's being lost. Um, I don't necessarily do a lot of advocating, um, rather than it, it's more of a, an education. What I, I will advocate through 
public comments, for example. I'll write in comments to the city or the state or things like that, but I really don't get more rambunctious than that. <laughs> the, the blog's not like a platform to advocate. It's a platform to just share information and make sure stuff isn't lost. Yeah, I try and keep things factual. So, cool. for like example, that. like the, the Utah Theater that... Anybody from Utah that's followed that, that's been a roller coaster of up and down and trying to save it and all that kind of stuff. With something like that, have you done posts on it? Do you, did you ever take a side on that one? Um, yeah, I've, I've done posts on it. Um, but it was inevitable from the beginning that it was never going to be saved because there's no legal mechanism to allow for that if the property owner right. is not willing. Um, I did write to the city that I thought their deal was crap. <laughs> um, and that, and I pointed out some specific flaws that I thought there were in the design and the overall concept. Did they hmm. respond? No. Gosh, <laughs> not. No, they're not Red. going to. I mean, that's like, they don't respond to most of that stuff because they're no. going to do what they're going to do. They, they don't respond to public comments, but you might see little tweaks in the design. For in oh. when it comes back oh. for review. But the big issues that I have, which was a rooftop park, um, which I did not the one roof park top that is currently accessible is on top of the main library and it's not utilized. No, it's not at all. Our my building, my office building is like two blocks away from that. It it's the block right or it's the it's a building right behind the place. It's station. on fourth east. Yeah. And I, so I drive past all the time. There's never, never, ever. Yeah. So my fear is that another public space or what should be public space is going to be eventually incorporated into a private elite location. (laughs) Very similar to Main Street. I'm curious, how come you haven't ever done anything about the whales? The great solar (laughs) whales? I I have a post- well, I haven't posted about it. I have a research folder about that. <laughs> about the bullcrap. <laughs> it was quite the scheme. It's, it's awesome. It's great. I love the story. It's fantastic. I always, I always like to, we talk about it a lot because it's just such a fun story. It's so weird. <laughs> that people, and it's totally fake. It's not real people, by the way. So with your research, so, so you get into the research. Obviously, it's somewhat part of your job. This is mostly a passion project. What you're posting online, I'm guessing. It it is. It's it's um so I work in the West Desert and when COVID hit I all of a sudden had three extra hours a day. That was not my commute. So that's <laughs> that's really when I started posting. So you don't more. work in the West Desert or don't live in the West Desert. No. You just work out there. That's I I live in Salt Lake. I work in the West Desert. Jeez. Um so those are my two interests that I post about. So how many podcasts do you listen to on a normal drive-in and out during a week? When podcasts first came out, I had an iRiver. And this was way before oh, the yeah. wow. iPod. Yeah. I was really, really into podcasts. And then I listened to all of Game of Thrones. <laughs> and now I just sleep. <laughs> Do you take a, public like, transportation then? I hope you're not sleeping while you're driving. It's a UTA van. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. so, I was going to say, there's no way she's driving and sleeping. <laughs> Although I think plenty of people fall asleep Although driving she could out have there. It driving would be much more tolerable if you were doing it on front runner on a bus versus actually yeah. to drive that hour and a half every day. That would be a, a good audiobook drive, though, to, to listen to a lot of books for sure. 
Yeah, it it is. I just got sick of it, and now I just have my morning nap and my yeah. Why not? That's like a that's a really great way to get there if you're going to work that far away. That's a that's a really good way to do it. So in following. The, the stuff that you posted, I, you've been on the news a couple of times with some of the things that you've discovered. What's one of the funnest, most interesting things that you've been able to find information on? I hate questions like that. Really? Because you love them all? Or? I hate it when he says funnest. Funnest? The funnerest? Fun, most, most fun. fun? Most fun. Funnest <laughs> is a word. Yeah, they added it to the dictionary what's, like eight What's years the ago? thing that you've had the most joy in How's that? investigating or doing research on? Well, the one that's that I'm focusing on now, and it changes through time, um, but right now I'm focusing on uh, the redlined neighborhood neighborhoods of Salt Lake City. Hmm. And that's cool. So that so is is your favorite thing kind of just the thing that you're working on right then because that's what's got your interest? Yes, and so what I want to do is to start mapping out um, kind of a, a residence of of black individuals and put names and faces with them so that it can be kind of a, a good storyline. But also I need to locate and map out locations where black people could eat uh, because they certainly couldn't eat in the majority of restaurants. And uh, some of the other um, recreational spots. And so once I can map those out, I think we'll start to see a pretty rigid uh, line that oh. follows along the old uh, red line neighborhoods. I, I huh. can tell you where those, where those lines exist. I can almost guarantee it. Okay. Go mm-hmm. for it. So you've got, I can just tell you the neighborhoods. Rose Park, Glendale. Glendale's probably the biggest. Rose, Rose Park in what year? Um, that would have. I mean, this has got to be like late 1800s, like, early 1900s. No, like, yeah. this has got to be like be the 40s and 50s Wrong. time frame. <laughs> really? So Rose Park was a red line neighborhood, but then almost all of it. Uh, and so there were a number of black people who owned property in Rose Park before it was Rose Park. Uh, but a lot of that area was deemed slums and was cleaned up by uh, forcing people off their land. And then it was developed into a post-World War II um, housing, generally for returning white soldiers. And then it got wow. changed back into slums, and now it's getting <laughs> gentrified again. History repeats the itself. and flow. At, but at, I bet Glendale was, too. At one point That's in time, important. though, when, when those homes were first built, some of the larger, nicer homes, like late 1800s, it was the neighborhood to be on. You were up by Capitol Hill. You were just out of downtown Salt Lake. So some of those really cool turn-of-the-century homes in that area at one time would have been like a beautiful neighborhood, a wonderful place to live. On the east side of the Jordan River. Yeah. Yeah, the west side was always kind of old farmland. Was Yeah, was the Jordan River a dividing line for that? Because that kind of does run right along like where Glendale's at. I know there's some of it on the, the east side of the river, but not much. Most of it's on the west. Yeah, the Jordan River was a dividing point, um, and you had to get over it uh, through bridges, and there was only a designated number of those bridges, which tend to follow our main east-west corridors now. But the big one was North Temple, and it was called uh, the White Bridge. 
And oh, gee. <laughs> probably for obvious reasons. It was painted white. It was wood. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but there were a number of other bridges as well that were um, not quite as grand. Huh. Were there any red line districts in like what we would consider essentially Salt Lake proper now, like say like Main Street to 13th East and what, like, like South Temple to 9th and 9th area or somewhere like that? So things west of 5th East. 5th East was the dividing line. Hmm. So, Interesting. And which happens to correspond with the modern historic districts, which are on the east side of 5th East. Mm-hmm. Right, like Trolley Square. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. If you think about everything that's over huh. there. That's interesting. And like you have the nice parks and like ninth and ninth where Liberty Park's at. Yeah. And a lot of that also tends to follow that that's where the city on the non red line neighborhoods. So those neighborhoods east of fifth east, that is where the city investigate, invested beautification projects. So that's where you get those nice green medians in the streets. There used to be one sixth and seventh and Eighth East. Those really big medians, yeah. Okay. Can you? Ha- those neighborhoods we, already. They still have like things like the special lights in their neighborhoods and stuff like that. Some of them do, and again, it's all city policies. That's really interesting. Huh. So we we should take a step back because I, I I'm curious. I, I bet most of our listener base maybe doesn't even know what we're talking about when we're talking about red line districts and red line maps, and th- these were. Essentially, if you look across the country, this is not a phenomenon that was specific to Salt Lake. This this happened everywhere. It was a federal policy. Yeah, and basically they drew boundary lines within cities of neighborhoods where people of color got to live. And yeah, it's a it's a, that's more of the result. The actual policy was that the neighborhoods were physically surveyed, and where the uh, people of color tended to live, those areas were deemed hazardous and they were marked with a red line. And those are the only neighborhoods in which the federal, uh, federal home loans would be made available to people of color. In yes. the hazardous areas. Yes. So, and that's how, I mean, when people talk about systemic racism in this country, this is one of the things that essentially propagated that. And like you talked about the number of bridges coming across the Jordan River back in those days, which you had to get across the river to get to other parts of town. Those were points, you know, not just in Salt Lake. You you, you can see it uh, across the country, especially in like the Northeast. If you look in like the Baltimore areas and stuff, they have those junction points where there is a, you basically, no matter where you live in this giant neighborhood, you have to funnel into one area to get into the next neighborhood. Um, and it just, it prevented people from being able to get outside of those hazardous areas or those poverty stricken areas. They were all forced to continue to live there. So that's very, that's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't even actually know that Salt Lake had them. Uh, but it I, makes sense. It does make I sense. Mean, it makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> I mean, it was a it was something that happened across the country, uh, and so you know, Utah was a southern state, I guess technically. And people have told me that, um, really, re- uh, you know, fairly recently, like in the nineties, um, a a homeowner 
asked her neighbors if it was okay if she sold to a black person. Wow. I'm not surprised, though. So, so in, in my line of work, um, I did a an addition to a to a home in a subdivision just above Hogle Zoo, kind of in that area. Uh, the the neighborhood was built in the 1940s, I want to say. And in the CCNRs, which is the outline for a neighborhood, what they will, will and won't allow, it's said in there that they were only allowed one family of color in this particular subdivision. It's written in the, like... Wow. Yeah. And when I found it, this was maybe a year ago. When it's I found still it, in there? Well, I mean, it's in there. It's, it's in the original. They're, they're in oh, there. Oh, from the original plans. They're just okay. not. That's like still a city ordinance. I was like, No, no, it's not an ordinance. But, but when I do a remodel, and it doesn't matter where it is. There's the, what's called the recorded plat, which is typically the subdivision for that area. And I have to have that. It doesn't matter how far back it goes. I've done some remodels where the plat was from the 1890s, but that was the last recorded plat. So anyway, so I have to get those for what I do. But this one came back and it, I, I mean, it's really cool, fancy, handwritten, all like beautiful, but you're reading through it and it's like you have only one family of color is allowed in this whole entire subdivision. See, and I Jeez. wonder what subdivision that is because I think I might know like the one person of color whose house that might have been who was specially allowed and were, were because they, he had a more prominent was position. Say, was he a doctor? Well, probably not a doctor, but maybe, but probably something along that line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then it said that the, the HOA got to vote. On who that that's one person was. That's that so one yeah, person. so those, those restrictive covenants are no longer enforced because they're all over Good. the plats, all over the country, and you can't. It's hard to remove them. Yeah. Well, and that's once that's not a that's not a, a Utah thing that no, happened no. everywhere. Yeah. Again, that was. But uh, you see that a lot in big cities across the country. But when they pop up and you see them, it's like, oh wow. That's... Yeah. So that's one of the purposes of the Fair Housing Act from the sixties. That's wild to me. That's wild. And, and and for it to date back as 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 long ago as that is, yeah, nineteen forties. Uh, it was the, the forties something was when this original so subdivision plot was made. So up. I assume you discovered who that person likely was just in your research of of the red lines themselves over time, or or do you actually like know the family? Well, I also like to read oral histories. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, there were there were a number of oral histories done um in the black community of Salt Lake in the nineteen nineteen eighty three, I think. And so people talk about where they lived and where they couldn't live and where they tried to live. And uh yeah, there's there's one couple who is associated with the University of Utah who did live outside of the normal red lined areas and they did buy a house, um and they were allowed to get a loan because the husband was friends with the president of the bank. Mm. And yeah. so it was a personal connection that allowed. That's the only way those kinds of things happened. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. That stuff's wild. So what else other than like, what's, what's something that you have researched and you go back to on a regular basis or, you know, every, you know, every few months you, you go read more about this thing. Well, mostly I just go on weird side tangents. <laughs> so Those are the best, though. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be looking into my primary 
uh, topic that I'm uh, uh, interested in at the moment. And then if I'm reading an old newspaper, there will be a weird headline. I'm like, okay, I've got to trace that one down now. Well, so I've seen some of them that you've posted and the journalism of the time. It's crazy. It's because one of them was something about soiled dove blows her head off. That was the, the headline in the newspaper. Oh. Yeah. So that, well, yes. And that was another topic that I was looking into. You know, women, women in Salt Lake's history is of interest to me. Basically, if I learned about it in Utah history, I don't want to know much more about it because, you know, the big mining moguls and very whitewashed and yeah. So, you know, I'm not necessarily interested in the big mansions on South Temple, but I am interested in the servants who lived in those big mansions in South Temple. And, you know, that's that's a whole other topic, too. But, yeah, the soiled dove. So, you know, a fallen woman is another uh, thing that the, the newspapers would use, but it's, you know, it's a derogatory term. It is. Well, then, I think it was you that posted that article about the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, I was interested in that for a while. Still am. In Salt Lake. She's interested in the Klan. <laughs> I'm interested in the clan's history. So yeah, it's they very interesting stuff. they lit um, Ensign Peak a fire in a big clan rally. Wow, I'm not surprised. And That's it's weird, really close to the town to the, to do something like that. That's really dangerous. The clan was everywhere, but it's one of those things that I don't know why you just don't think it would be in Utah. No, but it was. Maybe it you was. don't think that it would be in Utah. Uh, just, and and there was a lynching in Price because of the clan. Yeah, there've been a there've been a couple lynchings. You, you just posted a thing on your blog actually recently about uh, you, soil you, the, from lynching. Yeah, or? you did two two of them, right? Yeah there there were two lynchings in Salt Lake. Um, those were in the 1800s and there's an initiative, um, it's a collaborative project with the Equal Justice Initiative, EJI, and then a nonprofit history organization that I'm a part of, uh, Sama Hadithi Foundation, and that's devoted to black history in Utah. Sama Hadithi is a Swahili for tell the story. Oh, that's cool. So, um, the Equal Justice Initiative has a museum that just shows all the different, uh, soils from across the country of locations where lynching has occurred. Wow. So is it like literally a, a jar, jar of soil? It's, it's a mason jar and, uh, with the names of the individuals and the dates. Wow. And Oops. yeah, so the soil collection ceremony happened just a few weeks ago. Uh, one was on Capitol Hill. And uh, the other was what is now the um, federal building, the Wallace F. Bennett Federal Building, which used to be the old city hall, which had a jail. Is that, that's, so that's where the lynchings took place? Yes. Wow. I feel like that would be something really powerful to see. I Yeah, I think it, I think it, it is and it, and it will be. Uh, my understanding is there's also going to be a push for uh, monuments to be placed at those locations. The third lynching was in Price, and that was associated with the KKK. So the other two lynchings were, and I, I say this because I don't know how, they were just, they weren't KKK lynchings or? No, uh, they were before. So the KKK was really active in Utah, mostly uh, the urban centers. In the 1920s. That was really their heyday, you know, give or take 10 years or so. 
Uh, but the two Salt Lake lynchings were before that. Okay. And it was primarily likely associated with, um, the prominent religion of the time. Right. Wow. That's the same prominent religion, by the way, people, uh, today (laughs) as it was back then. In case you were wondering, we were founded by that same religion. So, see, uh, this is the kind of stuff that just fascinates me. And obviously you too, and it just sucks you in and you want to find out more. And it's, I mean, tragic, but so fascinating. Yeah. That first lynching, um, was supposedly because the black man, had, you know, whistled at a white woman sort of thing. And, you know, his body was dragged through the streets and it was just like a huge overreaction. As someone dating a black man, all this pisses me off. (laughs) It should. It should piss anyone off. off. His name was Thomas Coleman. And then the second one, did you, what, what was the second one? Did you did they did you find much information on what the second William one Harvey? With? Yeah, yeah, it was Harvey. Um, wow. he Harvey was a, a a veteran, a Buffalo soldier. Oh wow! And I'm sure, like all of the rest of the soldiers today, had some issues after war, and so people had commented on his mental health stability. But he got into an altercation. It ended peacefully. Um, but then the police got involved and, um, he ended up shooting a police officer and then a mob ended up, um, overtaking Harvey and lynching him from the old jail rafters. That's crazy. So I, I'm curious. So I, you know, I grew up, you know, when I was going to school, Finding stuff like this was all microfiche and spinning through microfiche of old papers um, and and trying to find that stuff. I haven't done things like that and looked at old periodicals in a very long time. How do you go about finding that stuff now? Is it still on microfiche at a library or is it all digitized? Uh, part of it's been digitized and that's where I like to go. Um, because I'm not doing like, um, a comprehensive deep dive into a topic like for a publication. Um, so I just stick to what's available through the records I have access to. Have you thought about doing that though? Cause you write some really good stuff and you get pretty yeah. in depth, even with the records that are publicly available like that. For, for the ones that I'm, I think are really important. There was, um, a civil rights case in 1897 um, was uh, led by two two black females who wanted access to a new hot springs building, a hot bath, and uh, they were denied entry because they were black, so they sued, and they lost the court case. And so I had asked, um, that was Archives? Yeah, Utah Archives, to try and track down that case, but... It was it was old and probably inconsequential at the time and had long since been lost. Mm. Probably so, probably lost early on in its history. <laughs> so if it's something that I I'm really want to go more in depth with, then yes. Hmm. 
However, it's amazing what's online these days. More and more of these historic things are being put online. Yeah, and I I do try and access family records if they're publicly available. I don't. I take the approach that I don't want to air anything that's not already public, and I don't talk about living people. So I try and, and do maintain some degree of, of privacy there. Do you ever reach out to like the living relatives of those people that that you maybe spend some time with to talk about? you know, what they know of the story that's outside of, you know, maybe what's even published? Well, I don't track down the living relatives, but I do post what I know on sites like Ancestry. And then they contact me about if I know any more information or they'll send me corrections. (laughs) That's really cool. Things like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is really cool. Wow. I'm looking at Jeremy because oh. this is Jeremy Love. Yeah, I, I figure he's got a whole. No, I've, I, I, so um, do you do you do a lot of research into buildings as well, or do you stick more with people and stories? I like people and stories, but I do look at at buildings because I know people like to. Ha- well, and I do. I like to have a sense of place, and I think other people do. And to walk around and see just anonymous weird buildings that you don't know what's why they're there or what's happened to with them. Um, so I like to place stories within buildings so that people have an association with, but I don't generally just do architectural history. Gotcha. Um, I'll talk a little bit about maybe the builders and the collaborators. Um, Sad day for dad. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, for example, like the granary just district downtown, there's a lot of history there. A lot of things have happened, but I'm sure you've come across plenty of stories that took place in that area. Oh, yeah. Because it was, I mean, it's a very significant area. It's one of the oldest areas still. Well, and it's being extremely gentrified right now. They're changing a lot of those buildings into, like, office buildings are getting them and leaving the outside. But the inside is not anything like it was. Yeah. when When I think of the Greenery District, the first thing that comes to my mind are sewers, which is not (laughs) to be to say that that place is is a sewer but it's one of the last places in the city proper that had real sewage uh utilities and so there would be uh, cesspools just wow. out on 8 south <laughs> tasty <laughs> yeah um out by the what is it the utah pickle factory yeah yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. so there was an old soap factory um next door to wash it all away. <laughs> well, the process of making soap involves Is, animal fat. Yeah, back so then. And so it, it was constantly smelly and just excess animal remnants were flushed out into the streets. And so the residents so of classy. That, well, cause there was no, I mean, there were no requirements. They just, you just did what you want. I mean, like there was no reason to, and they didn't have the ability to pr- put it in yeah, a proper I mean, sewer. You, it all went down a canal. And P, I mean, this is the time, this is the time in, in the world where like in New York, people are just throwing garbage out their window, literally. Yeah, people are dumping buckets out their window. Like they poop and pee in a bedpan and chuck it out the well, window. That's so, kind of an odd piece of history for you. Uh, the, the man walking on the outside and letting the woman yep. walk on the sidewalk comes from back then. Mm-hmm. People would empty the bedpan out the window. And then if you got hit, it was so the, man. the gentleman would allow the woman to walk under the cover. Anyway, that's. I make Chris yeah. do it in case the car jumps the curb. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
So one of the, yeah, one of the themes I continuously see is how city policies um, allow for the development of fancy buildings, generally occupied by white mining moguls, if you will, and that the rest of the city where I find some interesting stories take place and there's more working class people, um, those areas are generally allowed to kind of uh, what make like it on their own fend for themselves. Yeah, fend for themselves. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Wow, that's interesting. I'm I'm curious because you don't like you, you said you don't really advocate for anything in your blog, um, and and occasionally you do a lot of public comment and stuff like that when when different things are open for public comment. What is what is something that you like passionately? would advocate for um, given all the stuff that you you've learned and know about Salt Lake and its history well I would I would advocate for a policy change because that's really where direct change can happen and a few years ago the Utah legislature made it just almost impossible to create new local historic districts and so preservation has suffered ever since then and there's nothing that really can happen until that's rectified. Um, you can work within your own city ordinances, but it's, it's very limited. Like the city's preservation plan is that it will, um, protect as much as possible within its established historic districts, which generally tend to be the white mining moguls on South Temple. Well, and I've noticed in the industry that I work in that there are a lot of historical buildings that it, it the designation really means nothing. That Essentially, just means they have if to keep something no, it doesn't even mean that. Sometimes, sometimes it's a historical building, and if something happens to it, they go, "Well, oh well." Well, yeah, and that's the difference between a local ordinance um, implemented by the city that says it's a local historic structure building. And being listed on the National Register of Historic Places. So if it's on, and this is right back to the uh, Pantages Theater, the Utah Theater, it was, uh, um, it, it would be of the quality of being on the National Register of Historic Places. And it could be listed on the National Register. And there's lots and plenty of buildings that are that are demolished. Because that's an incentive-based program. Yep. There's no protection there. It's only if there's a local ordinance in place for a yep. specific building. Well, one thing I've pointed out to people, there's a difference between historic and just old. Yes. Some things really are historic and should be saved. Some things are just old and we really don't need to save them. Yeah. And I do get plenty of comments on, on my Instagram that, do we have to save everything old? And I, you know, I just say most of the things that are demolished, I don't even... Um, talk about. Yeah. Because I'll look into the history of a few things and I'll go, yeah, maybe, but. Well, there's, there's some amazing things that have been demolished. The old Salt Lake prison that looked yes. like a castle. That thing was amazing. The original Utah brewery that also looked like a castle. That was amazing. Castle place. When Salt Hair gets demolished, that'll be amazing. It's <laughs> a really cool piece of architecture out there, but, and it's historically significant, but like, what was Saltaire is not what's there anymore. 
by any stretch. No, no it's not even. However, with how low it's getting, we'll probably be able to see where the original one was. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be able but to build something underneath the. Maybe we'll find one. the whales. The whales still surface. <laughs> <laughs> how are those pumps doing, by the way? Oh <laughs> yeah, the pumps. <laughs> I have something for you, and maybe you've already, maybe you've already looked into it, but. Um, I'm, I've actually always been really curious. I kind of on a high level know the, the reason, but there's a bunch of houses, particularly in Magna. Magna seems to be where I've seen the vast majority of them where they built a foundation and basically just shoved a roof on it. They never finished it. Well, are they, are they underground houses or are they unfinished? Uh, well, I think they're, I think they're underground houses where there, mm-hmm. there is actually like a full, like section of rooms and whatever and they they have a roof and like a door that like mm-hmm. actually breaks the roof line even. Yeah, so there's two things going on there. Uh one is that it's easier to heat and cool if it's underground. Uh but also and my grandfather did this is uh he built the basement of the house first. And then you can put a roof on it and call it good. But then um, after there, there was more money available, he put on the second, you know, the main floor. The main floor, okay. And then, so that's, that's then where they lived, but there was still a full kitchen downstairs and a bedroom. So it just never else. made it to the first Which, floor. By the way, if you own one that grandfathered in, but if you want to do anything with it, it's totally against code and illegal. You can't. We need to figure out a different word than grandfathered because that's. Grandmother Super in. racist. Racist or not, that's the term. It's I know. Grandmother in. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why I said we need to. And maybe you know more about those than I do. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I know a lot about those because I, I actually had a client who owns a house who has one of those on it and wanted to do that. Well, we just want to take it up. And when we went to the city, they're like, absolutely not. This, the goal of the city and the state to in general dig is it to out. get rid of them. So if you do awesome. nothing to it, it's yours. But if you try to do anything to it, we'll condemn it, and you've got to take it out. So That's even so the brutal. foundation, even if there's nothing wrong with it? All of it. Well, because it's not well, just a foundation. The thing is, those foundations would have been done in the 30s or 40s, because I don't know if they were allowed much past the 50s. They might be seriously messed up post that earthquake, because those houses, I don't know if there are any outside of Magna. I know there's quite a few in Magna. I've seen some in Bountiful. Especially uh, in the oh, downtown really? parts of Magna. A couple in West Valley, okay. older parts of West Valley. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah. There's actually one in Riverton, but old, old Riverton. But yeah, the the state is like they want them gone. Huh. So, but yes, that was that was what very common people would dig the foundation, put in the foundation, and the money ran out. Put a roof on it, and then later on add to it, or later on decide to build another house and just keep that as a guest root, house, root cellar, guest house, rental, I don't whatever. It's not a very effective bomb shelter. The roof is really no. It's just stick framed. <laughs> Well, back then it wasn't even trusses. It's just stick framed. Yeah, I owned a house with a bomb shelter. It was cool. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. My uh, so I I was born in Texas, and my uncle Herbert and Aunt Gladys in Texas. This is actually my my grandfather's brother and sister in law. Um, but they had there was a house behind them, and I can't remember the name of the family, but it had an old bomb shelter. Um, and they ran, so the, their backyard was like concrete paradise. There was not really any grass, but they had giant playground equipment, like 
15 foot tall slide, metal slide. Metal slide on a concrete. Like, like the big metal slides, but they had multiple and they had some big twisty slides. That's how we and did it. And they had, they, every year, they ran a haunted house for Halloween and their haunted house went through their bomb shelter. And so you would actually, oh, there's the, the outside opening, the pipe where you like, like climb down a ladder. Right. Yeah. You climb down a ladder and like there are spots where you are, you're crawling, right? The space is not very big and it had another exit on the other side of their house and they had to open up into like a slanted fun house. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, that's a, the bomb shelters were really cool. Well, so downtown in the, um, there's that, uh, tennis court just south of the University of Utah and there's the old bomb shelters. Do you know the area I'm talking about? <clears throat> is it just east of, um, the cemetery there? Yes. So you you go down the street and it, it's kind of by Cathedral of the Madeline, like a little past that. But in that general area, you see these underground bomb shelters. That's not south of the university, by the way. That's yeah, west. that's northwest. You're, I'm like you're, you're saying south, and I'm like, where? No, you're like, right. More northwest, where they have those tennis courts that park. In. Yeah, because uh-huh. I was like picturing. I was and trying to find tennis courts. I'm like, like the I'm like south of the university. Direction. Like, there's no tennis courts. Yeah, that's like no, the tailgate right. lot. Slight, slightly VA. north. Okay, and just down at the bottom. Now of the I know what okay. you're talking about. Oh, you mean Reservoir Park? Is that what yeah. that's called? Yeah. So you go along, you drive along there though, and there's multiple spots where it's got the underground bomb shelter signs, like the city bomb shelters. Uh-huh. Are those evacuation routes? Okay, because the the reservoir park, which is where the the art barn is, is that uh-huh, what you're yeah. talking about? Uh-huh. So that was an old reservoir um, that served the avenues. That's how the avenues got their running water. Oh. Way back in the day. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then it was filled in. Well, it wasn't filled in. Uh, it was capped. And then maybe five years ago. That was removed hmm. and filled in. So those old bomb shelters around there, have you done any research on I those? I don't think they're bomb shelters. I think they're just evacuation oh. routes. Public buildings and all schools will, are designated as bomb shelters like that or radiological fallout shelters. Because there's the old sign. Because like that's really going to protect mm-hmm. you. So, anyway, I think some, some of that stuff would be really cool. I've never really researched it, but some of those areas would be really cool to look into. Yeah, part of the thing with my high school i guess my one good high school experience at bountiful <laughs> high was that it was a designated fallout shelter that we got to go into and see the sea rations oh wow and you know all all the old 1950s items that were meant to preserve a few people for a day or two. For a day or two, yeah. Because <laughs> that's definitely going to make a difference in a fallout shelter. Like all, all the 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 metal, big heavy metal doors that were supposed to save us from radiation were long gone. However, yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure. So hmm. <sighs> that's yeah, interesting. Shelters. <laughs> I, I just remember like the, the all all the old drill stuff from back then, like go under your desk. Oh, yeah. Like that's going to save you from a nuclear bomb. Well, so growing up in Iowa, we would have tornado drills. That's different. Tornado drills are yeah, important. The first time I got the tornado off belt. a but that was also in Denver get and saw the the tornado drills <laughs> yeah. and realized my kid was going to be living there, I was like, "Tornado Alley is a, a legit weird. thing." Like I I lived through a really bad tornado in the eighties in Texas, the one that destroyed the Texas Tech Library that they built a geological survey or a uh, not geological but a um, 
weather one. Like, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? But they built a, they built like a, a meteorological, oh, meteorological. Uh, research center in its place because the whole thing was destroyed. I remember very vividly, like being in the basement of my dad's house with a mattress on top of us in the bathtub. Because it was that serious, it destroyed a lot of. We had the city. a few growing up. We had a few, none that got close, but close enough that the sirens were on and the power, all the power went out, and we were down in the basement. Yeah, that was no joke. That was no joke. And now that I think back to it, that was the house my dad had that actually had a bomb shelter, and I don't know why the hell they didn't put us in the bomb shelter because <laughs> <laughs> it ended up being like my stepbrother's room for a long time. The bomb shelter? Yeah, that was his bedroom because he was older. He was like in high school and like he, the bomb shelter was his bedroom and he'd come out and go into the house for, you know, food So stuff, I don't, but. I don't think I've told this on the podcast before. So my dad lived across the street from what is now Roland Hall, but used to be just a, a public school and the basements were just dirt and uh, there were five boys living in a two bedroom house. And so my grandparents had given them essentially the master bedroom and they had two sets of bunk beds and a regular bed. And then my grandparents slept in the, the very small, it was so small. I slept there once I stayed over it. I think a double bed was the biggest you could get in there. Um, but my, his oldest brother, so the brother just above him wanted space. And so he went down into the basement of the house and actually dug space out like a maybe maybe as long as our our podcast studio table maybe like five feet wide and lined it with cardboard and that's where he would go and he would sleep and he would stay huh. because he he needed space and they had uh like my grandma had these two two rooms off the kitchen. One was a bathroom. I think it was converted, but the other was this oh, fantastic old pantry with the, the old ice box thing with the hole in the wall <laughs> and the, the milk, her milk thing and her ice box thing were there because it was outside the house. So they could come and put it from the, no way that the stuff's in. there anymore. Those houses are all still there. I don't know that the hole is there, yeah. <laughs> but those houses are all still yeah, they're there. All still there. And they're, they're so tiny. They're just teensy, tiny little houses with great kitchens, actually. They uh, had really fun kitchens. Most of those would have been, uh, just post World War II. That's when the lion's share of Magna was built. And that's why all those houses are almost identical. Mm -hmm. It's because it was, it was housing for military people that had gotten back and they were given the, the military GI Bill so they were able to afford it. But yeah, it was basically one, maybe two bedrooms, a kitchen, a living room. That was it. Back then, each room was only required to have one plug. That was all. So one one, one outlet. outlet per room. Yeah, yeah, well, my grandparents because... had a front room, a dining room, and a kitchen. And the kitchen was the width of the whole house, and then the bedrooms were the other That's side. That's because what were you going to plug in back then? Yeah. Like, there was a TV maybe in the house and maybe a radio, but like... You didn't have that many things back then coming back from, from World War II or whatever. Like... It just wasn't a thing. And then the TV became big and that changed, but right out of the gate. And that's the same thing with all the houses in Kearns. Same way. All old military I know. So I know. I have one more question for you, Rachel. Um, and this one's going to be a, a good one for you because of how much oh, you know yeah. about Utah. I'm excited to hear and, her answer. And Salt Lake and our history. If you say mountains. <laughs> She's not going to say the mountains. What is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah? In your lifetime here, 
Don't say the mountains. Everyone says the mountains. <laughs> and no. there's lots of but that's what I'm biomes. saying. Like, if of all the guests that we've ever Everyone had, says, you are by yeah. far the most qualified to give us a I really like yeah. amazing a good answer. answer. And uh, even okay, if it's I not like out of and, uh, out of left field, I'm going to trust your judgment here. Yeah. All right. I got it. Okay. So when you're in school or really anywhere and you're reading about the history of Utah or Salt Lake, um, it's all white. You know, there's a few maybe narratives here and there about the Chinese on the railroad and things like that. When I read the old newspapers, um, it's a very mixed dynamic society. There's always people of different colors and backgrounds oh. and you can't get away from it. And so what I've come to the conclusion of maybe, maybe wrongfully, but the people who've written a lot of the histories, um, at least that are available to schools school that I grew up in, really had to deliberately put aside a lot of different people and hmm. stories in order to tell a very specific narrative. That's so where very... we talk about how diverse Utah is getting... It maybe has just kind of always been that way, but kind of hidden. Yes. That's cool. That's really interesting. That really is good. Also, I got to say, as a kid that did not grow up in Utah and actually learned like actual history about their state, y'all's history sucks here in Utah. It is so super whitewashed and ridiculous. Like, I we learned about like the history of Wyoming was like, the geography of Wyoming and like the prehistoric history of Wyoming and why there's plateaus and why like Sheep Creek Basin is such a big fossil area. And like, that's the shit we learned about in Wyoming. And we didn't have like whitewash history. We learned about all the Chinese people that died on the railroad in Wyoming that were basically slaves building the railroad and the, the native American populations that were completely displaced and killed and like, in the town I grew up in, in Green River, like the library for the town was built on an, on the old cemetery, and they didn't do oh, yeah, archaeological surveys huh. before they dug there. All right, so two two <laughs> things on on Salt Lake's history about that. Um, the first the first pioneer cemetery in Salt Lake City was built right outside of the old Pioneer Fort, which is now uh, Pioneer Park. It was dug into a prehistoric cemetery because the ground was softer and it was winter when they were digging it. (laughs) That's messed up. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. You want to know what I learned in Utah history? Nothing. No, don't play that. Oh, don't play that stupid song. (laughs) (laughs) That is the most horrible song. It does. The song does make me think about Texas, though, because in Texas, that's where I was born, and I had the first couple years of school. I still remember the songs that we had to sing all the time. The Deep in the Heart of Texas song. They teach every school child that at kindergarten age and moving on. (laughs) I'm gonna mute your mic. That's a new song. That song is terrible. And I had a whole music video with it. You didn't learn that song in school, right? Oh, I did. Oh, God. <laughs> we all my, did. No, I had the CD. Not, not my kids. Oh, man, no, you had, you had private my kids, school. My kids went to parochial school, so. <laughs> they, they got, they they got things, different Jesus they songs. <laughs> they learned different history, too, in parochial school. Okay, so, school. so, um, the other thing that I remember from public school that's like burned into my memory is the two headed lamb at the Pioneer. Uh, Daughters of the Utah Pioneer Cemetery. Oh, yeah. 
I know about the lager. The lager, yeah. That's a very We actually had that in our school for a little while. Like our junior high. It was they had it housed there for a little while. Shasta. Yeah. Because it was our mascot. Oh. Yeah, Valley Junior High. The Valley what? Junior High Ligers. So they actually had it in for, the case. In our case for a while. For, you know what? That's what Washington should have made their mascot, the Washington Ligers. <laughs> I would I would give up the Cowboys and follow the Washington football team if they would have made their <laughs> mascot the, the Ligers. They would have went, you know what? You're right. Redskin. Four hours to draw this. It's racist. Who cares about all the merchandise that's out there? Let's just dump it and let's go to the Ligers. I'm curious, Julia, when you learned about Utah history, did they teach about the Dominican priests that came here before the Mormon settlers? Probably. Briefly. For like two seconds. They discovered the Native Americans that lived here already. Well, they didn't displace them. They, I mean, they were trying to convince them to be Christian. No, they pretty much taught us that, yeah, we were like the first ones here. Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Neither were the Catholics, let's be but fair. But they don't really teach Utah history past did they teach 12 you, years old. Did they teach you about the Mountain Meadows Massacre? And yeah. how so we knew Mormons, it was a thing, but they didn't tell us what happened. They're they like a bunch the of, over and over. They're just like a bunch of people died, Paiutes, and that was all we knew. The Paiutes killed a whole bunch of wagon settlers. It was a thing. Yeah, no, we just knew that a lot of people died. <laughs> Do you and realize? we don't know who or what or when or why or how. We just know that a lot of people died, and that's what it was called. The Paiute have oral tradition that states specifically they were not involved. Yeah, they yeah, weren't they at all. Weren't. It's messed up. They went over there and they dressed up as Indians and pretended because that the Paiute said we're not doing that, and <laughs> then attacked their own people. And the the recent forensic evidence, recent as in fifteen years ago, uh, uh, makes it clear that the Paiutes were not involved because the bones yeah. don't lie. No, well, they said we're not and doing that's why, that. I'm pretty sure that's why the church has finally come out and said, okay, we're sorry. We fucked up. That was us. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I mean, they finally officially apologized for it, but that was only in the when? last, what, like five years? Which would be why I didn't learn about it. Yeah, no, it's... Because yeah. the last time we talked about it in school, I was 12. <sighs> It's messed up. It's Utah history. History makes me sad sometimes. <laughs> However, I mean... They, we don't even hardly learn about 9-11, so... But there's a reason why we're not learning from our history anymore. But taking the big picture of history in general, history is always written by the winner. Yeah. And whoever lost, it's erased. I mean, that's the way, yeah. unfortunately... And people don't really talk about the 96% of the population of this country that was... It's uh, whoever. And one of the... Uh, one of the common reactions I get uh, to whenever I post anything about um, I think it's hot warm warm springs lake hot springs hot springs lake that is kind of where North Salt Lake is it's between uh, the north part of Salt Lake and then North Salt Lake and you can still see remnants of it um, off the sides of of I-15 but that whole area was occupied by Shoshone. Uh, it was a, it was a winter campground and a local Indian agent lived in the west part of Capitol Hill na- neighborhood, as did some of the native Hawaiians as well. And so that whole district was, um, kind of a trading area, kind of the west Capitol Hill neighborhood. But there was a, um, measles that went through or smallpox can't remember which which killed hundreds of of the shoshone and so they they were buried in that area near near the lake 
and now we're just digging up the side of the mountain for gravel. <laughs> All of them. Every mountain point now is like giant it's gravel pits. It's ridiculous. We're just making the mountains shrink. It's okay. We're just just kind of chiseling away slowly. It's art. It's well, a sculpture. If you're, if you're out at Utah Lake and you look over at Point of the Mountain, that freeway system is just hanging on by a thread of dirt. That thing is just going to fall off the side. Well, that of was. I mean, there's st- is there still an active gravel pit on South Mountain there? I think yeah. there is, right? Because uh-huh. I know there's still one at the point that's going from... Salt Lake to North Salt Lake, there's that gravel pit there, too, that's just dug out the whole side of the mountain. Yeah. So, that's all right. We have a whole mountain that has been turned inside out on that side of the valley. True. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for, <laughs> for joining us. It's I I love talking about history, so this has like been a, a really fun uh, thing to get to talk to you about some of the cool stuff that you found. And I say cool, some of it's really messed up and makes me sad inside. Maybe fascinating to learn about. Yeah, it is, it is still really cool. So thank you for that. Fascinating. How, how do, how do people, um, find your stuff or, or communicate with you or, you know, get a hold of you? Yeah, you, mostly I'm on Instagram at Rachel's SLC History. And then my website, which has all my Instagram content uh, that's searchable, is www.slchistory.org. That's a hell of a domain name to own. Right? You got a good domain name. We had to fight to get hot dog water. We had to put a dash dash in it. (laughs) We didn't have to. I just didn't want to pay for hot dog water. It was like $2,000. Did you secure slchistory.org a long time ago? I did. Yeah. So you got it for a normal She got it when she was 10. (laughs) <laughs> have you she ever knew it seven three years later have you ever looked to see what uh what it would sell for right now i haven't no you know i bet you? it's probably expensive. this is this is one of the things no, that you like to expensive. you like to look at history and bones and buildings and stuff like that he likes to look at numbers he's, and, he's a data analytics I, person and yeah. he can just analyze I, data and i like to look at things like how much are domains worth like i have domains that i have owned for a while that have been climbing in uh um, I don't think hot dog water will increase. You don't know. <laughs> hot dog dash water might be worth something. Oh, it's worth a lot because it's just got a broker fee on it, which means that it's not even. Because sometimes with domains, like even if your domain is like high, like a slchistory.org is a really highly valued it's a really good uh, yeah. domain. Um, and um, so a lot of times you'll see like, oh, it's worth like, you know, 20 grand, I've seen them go for upwards of close to 100,000 before they stick a broker on it. So your website is pretty valuable. So I'm, I have to so renew it ever, and not let it so expire. So if you ever yep. need a little extra money. <laughs> so it's a pretty good domain. When you, so when you're saying. done with it and you uh, don't need it anymore and you're ready to retire, retire right? Use it as like your retirement fund right retirement there. Retirement website Get yourself a car. <laughs> So oh, I'm so just you saying, get more than a car with some money like that. I don't know what it's really worth. It's obviously only worth what someone will pay for it. But when they just list that you could hire a broker to try and get it, it's worth a, a fair amount of money. So, well, what was fair amount of money? I want to know now. Tell me. I don't know. It's a history website. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. I don't know. Oh, you, I thought you were like personally like no. not saying you have I'm, to get somebody. Oh, you to have to hire someone yeah, to what legally. I'm saying, fi- oh. What I'm saying is, when they only offer up because it's taken, and they only offer up a broker, it means that not only is it taken, but you're but going to have to do it. some serious negotiation to get it. Most likely, so fancy. 
Rachel's only going to give it to you if you completely fund her entire retirement. <laughs> I don't need it. I have a good domain. Uh, yeah, hotdogwater.com is still $2,500. Dude, I still got utahcrystals.com for a whole 20 bucks a year. That's pretty good. That's pretty My good. My first year's a dollar. I wonder if utahhotdogwater.com is cheaper. <laughs> I am sure it's next, like a penny, yeah, bro. It is, it is a penny right now. GoDaddy says it's only worth a penny. <laughs> you what know about, why? Because no one's oh, going to think to look oh, that up. What about hot dog water history? <laughs> <laughs> wow. These are the things that we this, do, Rachel. This came up one time because I just, I randomly said Can we call something. the episode hot dog water history? I think that I That's said something episode, smelled dog. like it or I thought that they said that and they thought it was so funny that they just went he just went online and just bought it so now if you if you go to hotdog-water.com it takes you to the new utah <laughs> just links to the new utah podcast <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate it having you on the show thank, thank you. you uh if you guys liked what you heard on the show um please uh follow us out on social media at tnu podcast share the show uh with people um, that, that's what helps us the most. Um, and yeah, you can go out to our website, thenewutah.com or go check out slchistory.org. Um, it's a really cool site. You get, she talks about rabbit holes. Rachel talks about rabbit holes. She goes down. You could just spend hours on that page going through rabbit her, holes. Yeah. Her website, which I, <laughs> which I have done. So <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, you guys all have a great week. <laughs>